Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. Pastor John started a series, uh, Once Again When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Um, continuing kind of with that theme, uh, what I wanted to, to talk about, preach about, what the Lord laid on my heart um, for today. It's a short cable. Um, you need to switch with the wireless so you can. Nah, no, that's all right. We'll, we'll stay kind of close. Um, what I wanted to talk today is what to do when God's will doesn't make sense. So a lot of times we'll run into life in situations, and this is actually something the Lord, um, I had something entirely different I was going to preach about today, but the Lord really started working on my heart about this um, yesterday. But I feel like a lot of times in life we run into situations of our own making where we don't know what to do next because we did the wrong thing first. And then over time we figure it out like, oh, maybe I should just do the next right thing. What I want to talk today about is something a little bit more different, a little different, a little bit more different. I don't know how that works, but a little different. Um, what do we do when God is calling us to do something we're not sure about? What do we do when God is moving us in a direction that we don't think makes much sense? And that's really what I, the thought I want to bring today. Um, last week, we sang a couple songs um, in worship. We sang... Uh, good, good father. And one of the choruses, deeper still. You call me deeper still into love. Over and over, we say it. You call me deeper still. And then we sang the song Oceans, which is actually one of my wife and I's favorite songs. It's uh, something we have over our mantle. We have um, a the chorus of Oceans that you call me out upon the waters where my feet are unsure. And that's really the story I want to want to talk to you about today and really a thought I want to bring. If you look in verse number um, we'll start in verse number 22 of Matthew 14. The Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And this, um, just for context, this story happens directly after the feeding of the 5,000. So after this mighty miracle that Jesus has done and the disciples have seen God, uh, Jesus bless the two fishes and the loaves and he breaks bread and there's plenty enough to spare. As he's sending away the multitude, first he sends away the disciples um, and he sent them in a ship. And when the multitudes had gone away, verse number 23, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was con contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a spirit? And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter had answered him and said, Lord, if thou would bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and he began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O oh, oh thou of little faith, where didst thou doubt? And when, there, uh, and when they were come into the ship, the wind seized. Let's pray. 
Dear Father, Lord, thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done, Lord, all, all that, that has had to happen to get us here to this point just today, Lord, is a miracle. We thank you for all that you've guided us through this week, Lord, um, in between our last gathering, Lord. I just pray that you would bless us, meet with us today, Lord. I pray that you would give me the words to speak. Uh, to say to express the truth that you've laid on my heart, Lord. I just pray that you would bless us, meet with us in a mighty way, in your name. Amen. So we, here we have, in just a quick synopsis of the story, um, we have the disciples leaving the, the feeding of the 5,000. They go on the ship as Jesus told them to. And as they get on the, onto the water, it becomes a boisterous and stormy time. And as they're sitting in this rocky, wavy, they see what they think is a spirit walking towards them, a ghost out on the water. And these aren't rookie sailors. They're not novices. It's not their first time out on the water. So they're used to probably being in rough waters, one could imagine. I don't think that's an illogical jump. But as this, in the point in the story that I really want to get to, as they come to and find out that it's Jesus that's speaking to them, Peter makes a request. This is the first point I want to point out to you. And the first thought I really want in your mind as we look through this passage or when we think about what I should do when God's will doesn't make sense. The first thing that we see happens after they realize it's Jesus. Peter, in verse number 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if thou bid me come unto thee on the water. If that, let's read it again. Lord, if thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. The first thing we see that that someone does when they're going through a storm or a trial or they're not sure what's happening. And even in the request, Peter is still not sure that it's Jesus. He makes a bold request. Uh, and we'll, I'm sure we've all heard this passage preached before and we talk about a failures of faith in this passage. But first, the first victory of faith in here is making the request. Before anything else and before anything at all played out and before we can go back and play armchair quarterback or Monday morning quarterback and say, well, you messed up here, you messed up there, you messed up here. The first thing that happens is a bold request. When, we, when life doesn't make sense and God's will doesn't make sense, it's not clear, it's not for sure. What is the first thing we should do is make a bold request. I'm often reminded of in my story and just to share a little bit with you my wife and I have been married for oh now I need to do mental math because she'll probably listen to this after she's not here today um we've been married since 2016 so we've been married for six years um and we've been trying to have children for a number of years and um back in 2018 we made or 2020 I'm sorry we made the decision that we were going to foster to adopt um because we were unable to have children for a number of different reasons, um, but we, we decided that we were going to foster to adopt, and we had a prayer because we wanted to raise kids, we wanted to have babies, and if anyone is familiar with foster care, it's not always the easiest thing to um, be for sure that you would you have little ones, um, but even still, we set out with a goal to foster and adopt children, young children, um, little babies that we could raise. Um, and when we met with our social worker for the first time, we talked about what we were looking for and what our home would work for and what our situation would work for. We were told that it'd be probably a three-year wait before we could um, have it be matched with an infant. 
And then um, we started to still go forward with the process. We got our license, we did the classes, we did all the trainings and all the checkpoints and had millions of people, what felt like millions of people, in and out of our house, checking in, talking to us, giving our background, doing quarry checks, telling our story, doing interviews about our story, all the different things and checklists. And um, we did got to the point where we were putting a nursery together and we decided to um, have a baby shower to help and have our family and friends help us. We posted about it and there were some comments that we got that were always so supportive, but I'll never forget one. We got one comment that said, oh, you know, getting a baby is one in a million. And we, I, as rude as it was, it's just something that, maybe it's because it was so rude, it was something that stuck in my mind. But we continued to pray and work and trust that the Lord had a plan, that he laid this on our heart for a reason, to begin to, to still trust in him. And then, actually, it's funny enough, a year ago yesterday, for the first time, we heard our baby's names. For the first time, we got a call from our social worker. She said, I have two little ones that I think would be a good fit for you. That's the first time we saw a picture of our little Siani, our two-year-old. She was 18 months at the time. This is the first time we saw a picture of our two-month-old Iris in the uh, NICU with a feeding tube. And it was the first time that there was an answer to what seemed like an impossible request. And not only did we make a huge request, it, the odds seemed like they were stacked against us and that it would never happen, but God answered because we continued the process. We continued to work and do all the things. So when we make this big request, the first thing we should do is make big requests of God. Don't settle short. Don't sell God short. And that's the, the point I want to bring at, at this point is don't sell God short on the request. Yes, there's later failures of Peter's faith, but there was never an issue with God's power or provision to supply the request. And when we go to God, when we go before God, there's never a lacking in his supply. Think about that. No matter the storm around us or the issues around us or the requests that we come with, how bold, how brave, how audacious, uh, 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 with how much audacity we come with in the request, there's always supply for that request. And next, the next thing, I'll, or the next point I want to show or thing, it, Jesus answers and said, come. And Peter was come down out of the ship. Verse number 29. So verse number 27, let's read there again. But straightway Jesus spoke, said unto them, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, the next point I want to bring is step forward. Look, there will be times in life where we make these big requests and we, we don't know what the answer would be. But when we get that answer or in the process of getting that answer, we need to stand up and step out. I'm also reminded, just from my personal experience, I remember, and this is something that is so true in our lives, is... It could have been, and I'll get to the story I was going to tell in a second, but just a thought first is it can be so hard to have faith when we're comfortable. Yeah. It can be so hard to have faith when we're secure. It can be so hard to step out in faith when things seem to be going the right way. 
right? So there's a storm all around him, and that's what Jesus has caught him out to, right? We're not talking about leaving the, the storm and going into the ship. We're talking about leaving the ship and going into the storm. And over and over again, the exercise of faith is leaving the ship and going into the storm. Look, this, the ship is secure. The ship is comfortable. The ship is easy. He's used to being on ships in the shore. Peter was a fisherman. If anyone knows the dangers of the sea, it's Peter. There was no OSHA back in those days. There was no safety committee about fishing. If anyone had experience with what not to do in the storm, and number one on the list was don't go in the water, was Peter. Over and over again, I'm sure Peter had experienced a traumatic experience with storms on the sea. I'm sure Peter had seen friends and co-workers lost at sea. But Jesus still called him out into the storm on the sea. Look, at life happens a lot of different ways, and there's a lot of unexpected things. But Jesus will call you deeper still to step out in faith and leave the ship and follow him. Listen, over and over in my life, there are examples where I think I'm stepping out into the storm, and the storm is nothing to be worried about. In 2018, my wife and I had already been married for a few years. We were working comfortable jobs, and we were paying our bills. We had a nice little apartment. We had a little puppy named Harvey, our little mini Dotson. And God threw us a curveball. He laid it in our hearts, in Don's heart, in the summer of 2017, that we should move back to Massachusetts. I was living in Indiana at the time. My rent was only 850 bucks <laughs> a week. <laughs> and God called us out here to live on the Cape, which over the last year and a half, Don and I figured out is one of the hardest housing markets in, in the country. And God called us to step out. We could have stayed comfortable and lived. I would have lived comfortable. I had a good job. I, I, and a little bit I know God had bigger blessings than where we were. But when God calls us out, and to that point, when God calls us out of the ship into the storm, it's not to live in the storm. It's not to live in the storm. Listen, you may go through a storm at first in your first exercise of faith. Maybe uncertain. I remember moving here, and we moved from our two-bedroom apartment, which is around the same square footage as our house now. Um, it was about 900 square feet. We live in about 1,200 square feet, so it's not that much difference. Bills are a lot different. Um, but regardless, uh, not to complain about my mortgage, but um, God had called us, and we moved back in with my parents. Uh, we lived in one bedroom after living in our own apartment. Um, so we went from having our own space to being living in my parents' house again, which I hadn't lived in since I was 19. Um, and God has so much in store for us. You've already heard about this, the blessing of our children. We have three kids. Um, we have little Iris, who's just turned a year old. We have um, Siani, who's about to turn three. And uh, back in May, their older brother moved in with us, Zeke, who's four years old. Um, we had those blessings in store for us. We could have never fathomed. Uh, when we moved to 2018, I, I moved back in my career at the company I was in, and within three months, I was promoted to a higher position than I already had. Uh, within that time, Cheyenne left a secure job. She came here without a job, and in that time, she got promoted and since has found 
different jobs that are, are better than what we had then. And that's not me saying anything to brag or anything like that, but it's just saying that God has a plan, right? You may be called to step out into uncertainty, but it's not uncertain for the Savior. You know who knew that the storm was going to come as soon as they walked into the ship, which we'll get to in a little bit? Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that the storm was just passing through. And he was, in. we find out in later stories, uh, on the waters that they obey his voice. Jesus knew. So we make big requests. First off, make big requests and then step out. And when we step out, the next point I want to bring is we must keep our attention on him. And we've already talked about the failures of faith. And that's why this story is here, right? Peter steps out. He makes a big request, but then his attention gets diverted. And let's read in verse numbers. We'll read verse 29 and 30. Um, and, it said, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And began to sink. He cried saying, Lord save me. So we know that we need to make big requests of God. And then when we make those big requests, we need to step out in faith. After we step out in faith, there are a few things that will distract us. In this story, what distracted Peter was the winds and the seas. And oftentimes, aren't we distracted by the storm? Aren't we distracted by the frustrations of life? the things we don't have control of, the issues and concerns that we're not sure of, how it's all going to work out, can be very distracting. I know for me, when I'm going through a stressful time, sometimes when you just sit and your mind is idle, it's the only thing that you're thinking about. What am I going to do with this? Well, I can do this. What am I going to do about that? It's the only thing that our mind is on instead of having faith in Jesus. Even when I sit down to pray and to ask God for guidance, the only thing I can think of is finding a solution. Instead of trusting for the answer. So we know that the storm will distract us. And we have that experience. We've all lived there before. Where the stresses and anxieties of the day. Steal our attention and our faith. Obviously fear is an enemy of faith. Faith is what moves us to action. And fear is what keeps us from moving forward. So when we go through life. And we step out in faith. Remember to keep our attention on him. Don't be distracted by the storm. Don't be distracted by the trials, but also don't be distracted by the peace. When we step out in faith and everything is going well and God is blessing us and we have his supply and his provision, don't be distracted. Obviously, trials will, bless, will distract us, but blessings also will. Peaceful times will steal our attention from Jesus just as quick as trials. We have all the blessings and all the supply of his hand and we miss his heart. And we miss his att our attention on him. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. Yes, we know about the prodigal son who leaves home and wastes his inheritance with riotous living. And then he comes to himself and goes back to the father. But often in that story, it's a parable about two sons, not one. The second son stays home and works and labors for the father, has the provision of the father's hand. He doesn't waste it with righteous living. He follows the checklist and does every commandment that the father gives to him. But when the son comes home, it's revealed how far away from his heart he is. Even though he has all of the father's supply and all the father's blessings, he misses the father's heart. 
He doesn't have the attention of the Father. He doesn't have a relationship with the Father. The only thing that he has is the supply of his hand. Uh, I, and church, I, I, if I could be honest with you, the church in America is the same way. The Christian in America, us here in our community can be the same way. We have the blessings and the supplies of the Lord, but we're often distracted from him and from his heart. As we step out in faith and we begin to do what he's called us to do, and we're, even though we're uncertain and we start to think, see things working out, we often get distracted from staying close to his attention and close to his heart. Where did Peter mess up? Yes, he has the excuse of having a storm. And it's a convenient excuse oftentimes we use when things are actually going pretty well. And we can't complain too much because God is still good. There's still food on my table. There's still clothes on my back. Still a roof over my head, even though sometimes it seems uncertain with that. We cannot be distracted from his from keeping our attention and our eyes on Him by when things are bad or when things are good. Where does faith fail oftentimes for us? Is it in the storm, but it's in the peace. Paul, Peter here had an issue of faith in the storm. We'll run into the same thing. Our faith will be shaken by fear, but our faith will also be shaken by the prosperous living. Listen to me, no matter how much money is in your bank account, and I've been on the extremes of it. I've had no money in my bank account, negative money in my bank account, and I've had thousands of dollars in my bank account. There's no difference of how badly I need Jesus from when I have negative balance or when I have a positive balance. There's no difference between how much I need Jesus when I'm living in a two-bedroom apartment or if I own my own house. There's no difference if I'm working for someone or if I'm my own boss. There's no difference between how badly I need the Savior in the storm and in the peace. So let's keep our attention on him. Amen. And the last thing I want to wrap up with is verse number 31. And it's really the first two words. We'll read verse 30 again. It says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried saying, save me. And immediately. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand. Listen to me, we're not perfect. Our faith will never be perfect. We'll always have faith crises. We'll always fail at some point. But we have a Savior that saves immediately. Amen. Listen, when your faith starts to fail and you feel it shaking and you can feel the foundations of your world coming in around you, you have a Savior that will save immediately. Make the request, he'll save immediately. Listen, will it always work out exactly like you want it to? Peter didn't walk on the water again, but he was saved. Amen. Listen, the, the story may end in what Peter fails, but Jesus never fails. Amen. When our faith is shaking and our world is breaking, Jesus will stretch out his hand immediately. And caught him and saith unto him, O oh, thou of little faith, where didst thou doubt? I made you walk on the water. You, because you looked to me, you stepped out in faith and you were walking on the water. Why did your faith fail now? Listen, when the world distracts us and attention is taken away from him, when you feel that, call out to the Savior and he saves immediately. When the frustrations of life are too much for us to handle. And the uncertainty of days feels like it just piles on and on. 
Call out to the Savior. He can save immediately. Listen, the whole point of what we're doing here is because our Savior saves immediately. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. We have a Savior that answers. Is it always the way we want and the way we would design? No, His ways are above ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. Trust Him. He has a plan. And He can save immediately. Let's pray. I'll turn it back over to Pastor Donald. Lord, I pray that you um, be with us this week, Lord. I pray, God, as hard as it can be, you give us an opportunity to express our faith in you this week. Lord, I pray that here today, those that are going through a faith crisis, those that are uncertain of what your plan is or how to trust you, Lord, that they would leave today knowing that you're a Savior, regardless, that will save immediately. Lord, I pray that you just would comfort us in the storm, but also keep our attention on you in the peace. In your name, amen. Amen, church. We're going to have a time of invitation just a moment. And uh, before we do, as Joel mentioned, he's a, he's a Savior that saves. That's why they call him Savior. And maybe you're here today, you're sitting here this morning, and you got storms in your life. we got trials. we got difficulties. we all got challenges. And we can go around the room and talk about how different they are, how big, how small. But the greatest problem in your life is not a housing situation. It's not a financial situation. It's a sin situation. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are sinners. We break the law of God daily. We're sinners. And the Bible says that sin separates us from God. Heaven is a real place, and hallelujah for it. But hell is a real place. And the Bible says if we die in our sins without accepting Jesus Christ, we will spend eternity in a place called hell. But God is such a gracious Father that he didn't just leave us to our own doing. Hey, you better try really hard and maybe you'll get to heaven. No, no, no. He knew that we could never do it. He knew that I could never do it. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. He made a way for us. Jesus died on the cross. You know, you've seen pictures. Even if you've never been to church in your life, you know about Jesus on the cross. You all wonder why he died. He died for you. He died for me. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. It says, God commended his love toward us. He showed his love to us. And that while we were sinners, while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. He took the punishment of our sin, of your sin, upon himself on the cross, was beaten, was spit upon, was mocked, was ridiculed, and died a bloody death. Not for no reason, no, but for us. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. When Peter said, Lord, save me, Jesus reached out his hand and pulled him out of those waves and put his feet back on. And listen, when you say, Lord, save me, he reaches down and pulls you out of that sin and pulls you out of the power of that sin over your life and pulls you into a secure eternity in heaven with him. And all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask, and Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting there and saying, you know what? I, honestly, if I died today, I don't know what would happen. Well, the Bible, the Word of God tells us that we can know for sure 
that heaven is our home. And I'm going to remind you, it's not about you doing a bunch of good things over and over again. Because we can never, I can never do enough good to outweigh the sin in my life. That's why God made a way. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Maybe that's you. Maybe you say, you know what? If I die today, I don't know where I'd go. But I'll tell you one thing. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Well, Jesus is the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said that. The only way you can spend eternity in a place called heaven is by Jesus Christ, by believing on him. And I'll tell you this much. I'll go a step further and say the only way you're going to survive in this life here on earth with, with peace in your heart and joy in your heart is not by having more money or a bigger house or more things or a better job. No, it's through Jesus Christ. He brings peace. Not only does he secure, can he secure our eternity and give us a home in heaven when we die, but no, Jesus can give us peace here on earth. Jesus can give us peace here on earth to make it. And maybe that's you this morning. You're sitting here, you're tired, you're worn, and you need a Savior. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.